Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. Betrayed partner, multiple discoveries over eight years, married 45 years, coexisting addictions that he cycles and multiple at the same time, mess, long-term emotional fear, alcohol, porn, weed, tobacco. I am pre-planning leaving as he is not sober and not doing any work. Left therapist last week and actually sneaked in and hid his affair partner in his room overnight this week. We have been in separate rooms a year. I have no more capacity for tolerance. I can't move right now and he won't. What can I do for safety? Well, I'm going to ask Tammy to address this, but I want to say, first of all, this is this is a worst case scenario um, when you get into the drugs and the alcohol and the partner in the other room. I mean, how horrifying could this be for you? So what I want to say, and I'm going to leave the rest of Tammy, is this is the person we treat. This is absolutely without question. Someone needs to come to residential treatment. You can't have a problem with drugs and sex and the incredible like cluelessness about the pain they're going to cause if they just sneak. I mean, there's so much denial. There's so much illness here that this is not somebody who is going to get well without serious help. And my answer to your pre-planning leaving is, yeah, get a lawyer. Yeah, if you're married. Yeah, make sure that you are protecting yourself. You know what you, but my response would be based on what you've been doing, you go to treatment and then I'll decide whether I want to be with you or not. It would be, a for me, it would be a boundary, which is unless you go get serious. I mean, this is someone... If this was drugs and alcohol, this is someone who's getting DUIs, has has driven with your kids drunk in the car, um, you know, has hit has hit trees. I mean, this is a very serious illness, and he's still playing it out. So, and by the way, I don't, you're married forty five years. That means he's probably in at least sixty five. Sixty five year olds look twenty five year olds who do meth. You know, it's a bit of a struggle. They may have get tired and have a bad day. 65-year-olds who have who do meth have heart attacks and strokes. Our bodies are not, I can tell you as an older person, my body is not made up. For, I did lots of drugs back in the day, but I was 19. You know, I could, I could go in a cocaine binge and wake up the next day and go to work if I even woke up or if I even went to sleep. But this is not a game that someone wants to play at this age. So my fear would not only be uh, what's going on, but this person's killing themselves. And do I want to sit here with someone I care about because you do, and watch them kill themselves. Um, this is someone who should come visit me and trust, and Dr. Fawcett, and trust me, this is exactly the uh, an example of a, a perfect client for us. Um, and I don't say that for any reason other than, Tammy, if you read, like, what is a perfect partner or client? Well, a man this age has been doing this long and is doing drugs and, and is still acting. I mean, this is this is what we see every day in residential treatment. This is not someone who's, they're so far gone. This is not a therapy case. This is not a weekend intensive case. This is not go to our lecture series case. This is go to somewhere where we're watching you 24 seven and you are unable to do anything except look at yourself. Tammy, did you want to add? I, I, well, I'm just I, like, I'm, so, I'm trying to like, what can you practically do? I Working mean, you already have separate rooms, you know, and he's still snuck at like, and I'm thinking, <laughs> What, what is the affair partner? Ha- I mean, like, oh my God, you know, what a, I mean, what a sad, like what a sad thing across everything, um, you know, that somebody was willing to be snuck in. I, you know, 
I, locking your room for sure. But, but, you know, I mean, like you, Dr. Rob has um, said, you know, change the locks on the, uh, the doors, you know, when he's, uh, I don't know what to do. I, I mean, honestly, that right is a horrible, I know. And he won't, and he won't, but like, you know, he can so, go stay with the affair partner. Yeah. I don't know what he won't means because, you know, you can find ways to get someone out of your house, but I'm also, you know, there are also ways to completely separate your lives inside of your own home. And I hope that you're seeing, I hope that you're seeing a therapist because this is, this is some of the most painful stuff I, I think I hear is something like this. Definitely story of the day. And my heart just sinks for you. Especially after all those years. Yeah, of yeah, I did. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, and late sixties yeah. is not when people want to talk about separating and moving on with their lives. You know, this is no. when you should be looking for retirement and companionship. And yeah. this is not a good. This is a bad scenario. And it yeah, and I feel I feel for you, I, like in such a genuine mm-hmm. way. So, okay, next question: How do I work past feeling like I'm suppressing my sexuality as a sex addict? I've been in recovery for a few years, and I cannot maintain sobriety. I believe there is some healthy sexuality I have, but I believe I have to become anorexic sexually to become healthy and sober. Please give feedback. That is such a common misperception. Tammy, do you want to touch that real quick before I start? Or sure. Do you want to, because, well, no. Well, I mean, the only thing is like, you know, we've talked before, like people talk about, well, I've 10 years sober in essay and they haven't dated, they haven't had any sex. Right, right, so, right. so, you know, yeah, unlike chemical where it really is abstinence eating disorders sex i mean it's not about like right and 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 i you know what i really think is um when you're talking about i'm suppressing my sexuality in recovery in true recovery and dr rob can talk about you know dating and all of that but it's you know you will have a more intimate and connected sex life than you would as a sex addict so so it isn't they're not in conflict it's just learning how to do navigate it with proper help um, you know, rather than going and acting out, yeah, how can you do it with integrity? So Dr. Rob. Well, and just the last thing I agree with Tammy, it's for some of sex addicts, it becomes a binge purge cycle, just mm-hmm. like food, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm binging. And so I'm going to, now I'm going to starve myself, you know, and as Tammy said, neither end of that is healthy and neither of that end of that is health. So I understand being, I'm trying to get the light. So it doesn't so weird. Um, I, I understand that. The idea of being anorexic, which makes perfect sense given what I said before, which is we are intimacy avoidant. So now you're being asked to healthy sex would be with someone you're getting to know or someone you care about, and that's scary for us. And for some of us, we want to stop acting out, but the thought of being truly sexually intimate with somebody in a, in a, in a way that we really know them is scary. So to me, and I said this to Tammy, uh, this is what you were going to say, but I've been to meetings where, so yeah, someone raised their hand, they say, have, I have 10 years sober. And I'm like, oh, what's that like? Well, I haven't had sex in 10 years. That's not the kind of recovery I would want. And so, you know, I think you need to get to work on this, whatever place you're stuck. You know, what would it be like to date? Can you write a page about what the person you want to date would be like? Can you talk about what a, a sex life you want to have would be like? I mean, it, you can, I guess what I'm saying is these are interesting, this is an interesting question, but what are you going to do about it? You know, I think it, nothing's going to change unless you get to work. And I don't know what that is. Just as much you have to work on avoiding the problem, you also need to dive into life in a healthy way. And what are you doing to grow your your healthy sexuality, move toward that? It doesn't just happen because you stopped acting out. It's something you have to work on. 
So you you sound like a perfect candidate for the Sex Addiction 101 Part 1 work group that starts on March 4th. I think Why? you would have some, because you would have some tools to use. You would understand what inner circle, middle circle, outer circle are. You'd have some support. You'd have some understandings and connections. But uh, same thing. I, and I know these are just snippets, but I don't hear my sponsor says, you know, so I don't hear that you're working with a sponsor. I don't hear that you're working with a qualified mm-hmm. therapist. I don't hear any of those aspects of it. And just stopping is the pressure cooker. And to me, that's the cycle of addiction. Oh, I can be really good. I can be really good. Boom. I can be really good. I can be really good. So, so like, so you're not in recovery. You have periods of abstinence, but you can, you know, you can learn to do life differently and you can have meaningful, joyful relationships. Complicated because life is messy and well, relationships are messy. Or trauma to work through or something yeah. before you get there. I don't know. But um, th- this is the most important thing I can say to the addicts tonight, which is recovery is, how do I say this? Recovery is not about not doing things. Recovery is about doing things. So yes, it's important to stop doing this and stop doing that and don't do this and don't do that. But where the rubber hits the road is, okay, how am I going to enjoy my life? How am I going to have healthy pleasure? How am I going to start having fun? Because my idea of fun before was watching porn. So how are you going to, this is really, what are you doing to begin to replace your addiction with joy and fun and creativity and meditation and all the things that we know will help create a life. Are you playing ball? Are you anyway? I, I want to get through as many. We have 15 questions. So let's go. Oh, NS is one night stand. So now we know. Oh. I just I was okay. So hi. PA four months into recovery. I'm in and out of the dog or I'm in out of the doghouse work group, meeting with a CSAT twice a week. I'm actively working on the steps with my sponsor and attending multiple meetings a day. Yay. We have gone through disclosure and passed a polygraph. We are living separately and set a boundary where we only communicate via text and only about our children or financial matters. How can I show her how my recovery is going and the changes I'm making with such limited interaction? Hmm. Well, I would ask her that question. You know, I don't know the answer, but I would say to her, you know, I'm making a lot of progress and we've been, I've been doing well. Some of our interactions, polygraph, whatever, have been well. What are our next steps? I'd like to understand that. Um, You don't have to say even what that is. Like, I want to date or I want to just, you know, I need to know how we're going to go forward. And I agree with you. Well, one thing though is the last sentence, how can I show her how my recovery is going? That is not your job. Your job is to live your recovery and she will see the differences in you. I mean, if your job is to say like, if you're thinking, well, I'll just, if I just have a few minutes to the teacher, you know, I'll show her what great, what great grades I'm getting in the other class. It's not about what you're doing elsewhere or your recovery. It's for the two of you. You don't have anything to prove to her. You know, you have to prove things to yourself and she will say what's going on here. What's going there. If she wants to know, I am, um, how long has this been? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have answers for you. This is a really up to her. Um, and does she even want to be in the relationship now? I, I don't know. But the best way to figure out is to communicate. And if she says, I don't want to talk about it, you can still say, I, I hear that, but I, I just need to have some clue. Are we going to see each other more often? Are we going to be in therapy? Are we, you know, you do have a right to an answer here. This is a place where you get, even well, you acted out and I don't have to tell you, no, this is our life going forward. And I need to have some clue where we are going, but not let me prove to you all the amazing things I've done. So mm-hmm. that X, Y, Z, it's not your job to try to prove something to her. So she moves toward you. Um, first, you have to see she wants to move toward you. 
So yeah, well, and I think if you guys both have CSATs, that's can we have a conjoint session with our two CSATs to discuss what is the plan? Because if there's just separation and there's no plan for these are the things that we're looking towards to move forward or to move to, back together, then it just ends up being you know, we're forever separated. So and you have kiddos, so like getting a plan would be a great idea. So. And you know, you can do this with a therapist. Say, so, you know what, honey, I, I think we, we've done really well so far. And I wonder if we could have a session together to see what's happening now and just, you know, do it with yeah. a neutral party. Okay, next okay. question. If the CSAT knows the addict is not in the program and refuses program, is there a point in the therapy? I suggested to change my trauma therapist. I chose not to. I'm an s -anon and it's hard work. I make mistakes and lose my mind and I mess up. I do see it after and I make apologies. How long does it take to stop messing up? that's called life. And we, you know, like uh, in the 12 steps, we have amends. I, you know, I make amends, you know, on a less frequent basis than I had to early on, but I still make amends. That's called life. So we're, so I guess it depends on what you're, you know, it sounds like you're the betrayed partner, you know, I don't know how early in the process this is, but the more things calm down, the easier it is to not you know, get so triggered and have things be complicated, but, um, well, you know, you're me, doing the I'm work. Sorry. Let me ask, just answer the first part of the question, which is, um, can we recover without just 12 step programs? Yes. Can we recover without a consistent community that supports us? No. Um, I know people are involved with long-term church groups that are evolved men with this issue. I know people who go to therapy groups. I used to run a group. I had men go for eight years. Um, I don't know if they could see me once a week for eight years, but they did. They wanted to be in the group is what they wanted. So as far as it doesn't, so, and I want to go back to your boundaries. Do, would you feel safer? And would you feel like you want to move toward this person if they were going to program? You can say, do whatever you want. But if you want to be around me, if you want to grow something with me, if you want us to X, Y, Z, my boundary is you have to go. And then it's up to them. Um, they can move towards you or they can move away from you. Um, I'm curious about the, the refuses. Refuses to their therapist. Um, oh, the CSAT knows the addict time program refuses program. Um, I don't have one for that, Tammy. Well, this, we know people that, you know, lie to their CSAT. I mean, at some point, it's like, uh, why bother continuing to go to your therapist if, like, if all you are doing is checking off a box and you're not really making any progress, you know, but I hear this is a betrayed partner who feels like they're making progress, sees, you know, areas where they're messing up, so to speak, you know, and is working on it. So at the end of the day, we can only work on us. You know, I can only control my actions and reactions. I can't control another person. But like you said, Dr. Rob, I can put up healthy boundaries around, you know, I need this for my safety. If that person, because they're not doing anything different other than, you know, if you want, he, he does not do individual therapy. I'm just saying that. But if, you know, when he used to do that, just seeing a person of qualified professional for 50 minutes once a week isn't going to handle these things that are years and decades old. So, you know, at some point, nothing changes if nothing changes. But you are, you are the betrayed partner are doing the work. You will, you know, you will find peace and joy again. You can be resilient regardless of what the addict is doing. Yeah, and I, I want to just bounce off something Tammy said earlier, and I don't know your situation, but all of our answers are general. 
Uh, mm-hmm. If it doesn't apply to you, hope it applies to someone else. But I don't know if you're aware of this, but addicts lie. And if we want to live our life a certain way and you are thinking, well, I trust their therapist, but you're not talking to the therapist on a regular basis. And many of you don't want to intrude on her therapy, understandable, whatever. Or um, get told that you can't talk to my therapist. Right. Well, I'm not going to let you use my private. So how do you know that that's true and to any of you? Just because someone says my therapist said um, I've been. I people have said I said a lot of things because they wanted to convince their spouse that that was they wanted to do what they wanted to do and they wanted to have my rubber stamp and so they lied about it. And one of the things that you can do is you can call this person's therapist and leave a message and say, you know, I'm the spouse. I just want you to know I feel really uncomfortable with this. I don't really understand the process. I know you may not be able to call me back, but I do want you to know that I've been told that program doesn't matter. And that really scares me. You can leave a message. They may never respond, but at least they have that information. You may not know that therapist may not know what you're being told. So addicts, addicts lie. I, I don't know why, but. Well, and messages get distorted. I'm going to take a quick second. I was talking to one of the founders of WeTonglin. I value that organization, but I was talking to her um, a week or two ago and she said three things. And I said, I'm sorry, but that's not true. So there was this misinformation in the betrayed partner community about a variety of things. And I was like, you know, if you want to know, go to the source. So, so, you know, like always, always learn more. Tammy, Next I know question. that people yeah. are going to say to you, they're going to say, what is Wetongla? Since you said something, okay. you're going to have to Okay, I will put it in. It's for betrayed partners. I will put a link in, but it is a community for female betrayed partners. And they are, it's just peer support. And But they have a number of resources. Dr. Rob is, and he's going to do another one in April, but he has done um, a presentation on pro-dependence for the Wetonglin group. But Lectures. they have, yeah, they have self-love Saturday. Like they really do. They have resources and and they are really um, a very supportive organization of betrayed partners for betrayed partners. So, but I will put something in the chat. Wetonglin. And women only. Women only. Only women. There are yeah, no yeah. men allowed. Correct. I mean, I can yes. give a lecture, but I can't join a group. I can't talk to people. There's nothing. You have to come to us for that. And there's plenty of stuff for uh, for addicts to attend. Yes. Or male spouses. Okay. What are the challenges and workarounds for a marriage where the wife has been caught having a sexual affair after or some time ago and the husband admitted to using porn about six months ago? Husband is working on recovery from PA. Wife is insistent on me going through, so this is the male, through formal therapeutic disclosure and dog housing me when I didn't force her to make amends for her affair or addressing her addiction issues then. I feel like the designated punching bag in this relationship. Well, that's a lot. Um, So I don't know. I don't know the details of this. I can only tell you a story that I run into frequently, which is we've been married. I'm going to make this up. We've been married for 12 years and I found out recently that during the worst of our problems, my wife went out once or twice with somebody and had sex and I will hold that resentment forever and when you ask me to look at my 12 years of acting out I'm going to say to you well what about your affair and I think you know whatever the affair was it is completely irresponsible of us not taking responsibility for our own stuff to say well I did this for 12 years but you did this one time and I'm not saying that that person is responsible isn't accountable needs to be talked about but I often hear addicts finding ways to blame their behaviors on someone else or put, well, look, you did this. So what are you going to blame me for this for? But but they're not always 
exactly balanced. So, and besides, it's not your job to, to it, you are in early recovery. Your job is sobriety. Um, this is the spouse, by the way. This is the husband who is the porn addict who is, right. you know, whose wife betrayed him a number of years ago had with an affair. Right. I don't think that this is the time to say, well, you did it too. Um, I, I, unless it was, you know, if there's been a nine year affair, you know, that's a whole different set of circumstances. Um, so anyway, I, I don't have more answers for this, Tammy. I think that this couple needs to be in therapy because there's so many pieces that are woven together and you really need somebody to sit there and pull these pieces apart. Um, because this question is too complex, too personal to your issues for me to respond other than saying, uh, you may be comparing apples and oranges. I'm going to tag on because I, you know what, if, uh, we are accountable for ourselves, you know, and, and doing the work with resentment, you will, like, it's going to be a disaster. You like, th that's what our fourth step is about is working through our resentment. So um, a formal therapeutic disclosure is for us. It's, it helps us is to set the foundation, but, but I'm serious. Like, please, please work with your sponsor, do steps four through nine. You and do it from the, I want to heal from this. I am a porn addict. I am going to work on making my life about integrity. I, you know, I've got no control over anybody else's. Betrayed partners have this all the time. You know, why won't he or she, whatever. It doesn't matter. All I have is control over me. And so you have plenty to do on working with yourself without comparing or, you know, pointing a finger at somebody else and going, well, you should have to do that too. Hopefully, you know, hopefully your wife steps up and takes care of her side of the street, but it's not your job. Okay, next question. I am the female betrayed partner of a male sex addict. First discovery was October and he has been a drip torture of discovery since. He refuses any treatment, recovery, or 12-step programs. I understand denial and shame, but his lying appears to be compulsive and without shame, more along the lines of narcissistic borderline. I have illness from which I am disabled and my doctors say my stress response to his gaslighting significantly endangers my health. How do I safely disengage without him trigger triggering and spiraling to a Darbo? I, I should know Darvo, but I don't. I know. I can never remember it. I have to get a post-it note and stick it on. That's right. I'll type it in. Why don't you? I'll look it up. Why don't you no, start? No, but, and, well, he refuses, you know, so this goes back to, you know, we, we get this it, all the time. He refuses. A, it's an, it's an, uh, it's an acronym, but I can't remember what it all says. It, it is, it's an anger that is expressed mm -hmm. by the person who is the perpetrator of the wrongdoing. So right. if I'm the addict, is Darvo is a is a synonym for deny, attack, reverse yes. the victim and an offender, which yeah. means it's usually used in it's often used in offender literature, but the it's gaslighting. It's you know you come after me and I'm going to come after you and I'm going to push you um, because I know that I can get you to back down and I will gaslight. I'll do anything it takes to push the problem on you to not be responsible and to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, but the question I have is, how do I safely disengage? What does that really mean? Um, I'm asking you, Tammy, I hear disabled, stress is a problem. Um, what do you mean by disengage? What do you think, Tammy, I, I, I want to hear? To, to me, uh, this is what, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, more along the lines of narcissistic borderline, uh, you know, unless you've gotten a 
a diagnosis by a qualified professional, it's easy to go, well, they, you know, they're, you know, they're narcissists. All addicts are narcissists. You know, I don't know about the borderline, but, um, but what I hear is somebody who's got physical illness and needs to have extra sturdy boundaries, you know, for your physical, emotional, financial, and, and spiritual, but physical safety, you know, the, you know, he is endangering your life in effect by, by all of this. So what, you know, when I hear he refuses anything, what I hear is somebody who does not perceive that um, there's enough reason to change. They're comfortable enough dealing with what they're dealing with, despite negative consequences. So, so for you, how can you take care of you um, in this situation so that you have, you know, have the ability, you know, if you need to bring in, you know, outside help, for your physical help, you know, for, I, I don't know, I'm making this up, but you know, what do you need to do to take care of you so that the focus isn't on him? You know, he's in active addiction. So what do you need to do to take care of you so that you're valuing you and your physical health is not compromised or put in worse peril? How about that? So, <laughs> okay, well, let's do another. Okay. Um, uh, so this one is, I'm a 60-year-old man, discovered six years ago, I'm SA and alcoholic, started um, porn and masturbation addiction 12 years, at, at 12 years old. I now know I cheated on my wife with porn, emotional affairs, hookups with males, and serious stuff for 39 years. I divorced her six months ago. I've been in SAA and therapy for six years, relapsed many times since sobriety has been hard. I've come out gay and very lonely. When will I be able to go on dating sites again to meet people? That's a complicated question. Well, what always comes up for me is um, the, in these circumstances is what are you doing to build community? You know, there are a lot of gay and lesbian centers and programs online where they speak to men who are coming out late. And, you know, you came out in your 50s, or your 60s. I really recommend just from that piece that you you sit with some of those men and you listen to their stories and you see what's similar and what isn't. Um, my other question is, what are you doing to join um, gay, uh, gay or lesbian activities? Like, you know, are you, there are gay hiking groups, there are gay theater groups, there are gay choruses, there are gay churches. You know, how are you putting yourself, I mean, online, uh, you know, it is the world we live in today for sure, but as a gay man, I'm very interested in people focusing more on, on having fun and maybe meeting some, you know, if you like to hike, maybe you'll meet someone you like who likes to hike. If nothing else, you made a whole bunch of friends and maybe one of them will introduce you to someone. So I think it's fine to go online and go on sites to meet people if that's what you want. But I think there are things that need to be done first. You need some kind of community. You need to be comfortable in the world of gay men. You need to see if you can find other other people who are doing fun things that you like so that you can begin to um, meet people and be in that world. So um, do you have a social life, a fun life, a creative life in that community? I would want to be asking myself those questions um, before I would look to date. Um, yeah. So do you have time for one more? Do yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And then you and I need to okay. talk for a few minutes. Okay. All right. The next one I got to move to. Okay. So this is, if you have a past that includes rape from a past partner and there's tons of coercion and abusive behavior, and he now works teaching blind people, is this common where people who are 
terrible try to look good on the outside, similar to priests that molested kids. I feel like I have less faith in people in helping positions due to my experience. How do I get past this? Well, I think if you really want to get in part, I think there might be some education you can do. You know, you're asking, is it this or is it that? I think there is reading material and information on people who put, put forward a false front. It's sort of like the the, the big evangelical priest who's constantly, or pastor, constantly speaking against masturbation or whatever, and he's looking at porn four hours a night. I mean, there are some people who put this front up, and, and they even think, well, I'm helping people with that problem, and it makes me feel better about what I've been through, what I've done, because I'm giving, and maybe that sort of makes me equal in, you know, I kind of balances out. So... You know, I, I, yeah, yeah, I wanted to answer the actual question. Um, so, hold on a second. Tammy, do you want to jump in while I'm re-looking for this? Yes. So one of the things that I, you know, I mean, I get how you could feel that way. And it's easy to paint the broad brush of everybody's doing this. There are people who are offenders who will find and navigate into spaces, you know, where they have access to vulnerable people who, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, um, but there are so many, I mean, we work in the therapist community. I know so many people who are, you know, giving and caring and, you know, working on themselves and everything else. So, so I, right. I fortunately, you know, lots of people who aren't, um, I, I, you know, showing a different face to the outside world than the one that they really have that secret life. Um, but I think it's going to be you finding, you know, a person to trust and going, wow, that person now, what about this one? And growing that circle, um, uh, it, it'll be harder to, to trust that, 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 you know, that the world is not all unkind, but I just know too many people that, you know, that are really good people, human. So uh, still fraud right. and everything else, but really working on doing good within the world. So. And I just want to add one thing is that you said from a past partner that yeah. there was rape and coercion and abusive behavior. Why do you even know what he's doing? Why do you even know that he's teaching? Mm -hmm. Why do you have any? It's not your job to protect those people. It's not your job to make sure he's not doing this anymore. I, I wonder why you are spending any more emotional time on someone who's already harmed you. And what is your you know, I don't think about the bank robber. I, I just want him in jail. You know, I don't think about, oh, well, now he's gotten out. Now he's a job and I want to move on with my life. And so I guess my question to you is, could you move on with your life? And yes, it will be difficult to trust other people, but it'll be more difficult if you keep looking back at your abuser and then drawing conclusions on that. You don't, I don't think you have to look at anything about him ever again. You know, um, at least that's my, and I do wonder why, you feel the need to protect other people. To me, that's like, you know, really kind of like I want to protect myself still. But get this person out of your life. You know, it, don't look for them. Don't find them. Don't learn about them. Block them on social media. This person's already abused you. You don't need to go back for more information or to find out they're still abusing other people. It's yeah. just going to hurt you. These aren't your children. Yeah. These aren't your... Yeah, so... You can't save and, the world, yeah. but you could get some trauma help for you. So if you need a therapist, Tammy, T-A-M-I at SeekingIntegrity.com, include where you're located, and I'll do my best to help you find someone to help you. So I just want to say, this isn't the only place that you get support. I know you have lots of questions. We have so many groups that are for you. 
every time I talk to someone about our my podcast, they are constantly saying how incredibly important this was. And a lot of spouses are like, oh, you get this. I want to have a consultation with you, or I want to tell my husband to listen to everyone or wife or whatever. So we give lots of answers and we give them away for free. This is one of the few forums where you can grab me and Tammy. But, you know, we make sure to have the right people, the most informed people working with you, whether it's a consult with Jason or Tammy, or whether it's a consult with me, or it's taking, we have so many videos. We have so many podcasts. There's so much you can learn. And I really encourage you, those of you who are here and really have questions, don't be disappointed. You, know, we, you will find a place to get that. You can go enter this world we have created and you'll find answers there um, or you'll find people to talk to who can give you some. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.